It's our understanding that one of the consultants that we work with said at the rate that we're going, it is going to take 17 years before this problem is solved if they don't put more attention on it. That was Carrie Bennett, partner at Womble Bond Dickinson, about the massive delays stemming from the processes the government has put in place to fund the rip and replacement of non-compliant communications equipment. Hello there, and welcome to the All Day Digital Podcast, where we talk to industry executives and thought leaders to get their perspective on a wide range of factors shaping the communications industry. This podcast is brought to you by CoBank's Knowledge Exchange Group, and I am your host, Jeff Johnston. In 2018, Congress passed the Secure Networks Act, which identified non-compliant telecommunications equipment that, if in use, needed to be replaced for national security concerns. The act appropriated $1.9 billion to cover the rip and replacement costs, which has turned out to be far too low, and the processes that have been put in place are far too cumbersome, all of which has put rural operators in an untenable situation. Carrie's extensive telecom policy experience and her advocacy work with the Rural Wireless Association makes her the perfect guest to discuss this very important national security risk issue. So, without any further ado, pitter-patter, let's hear what Carrie has to say. Carrie, welcome to the podcast today. It is an absolute pleasure to have you back again. Thank you, Jeff. I'm so happy to be back, and I'm I'm glad that we're all both healthy after Boston. (laughs) Yeah, there must have been something in the water in Boston, right? A number of people came back from NTCA feeling a little under the weather, you and I included. So, I'm super excited to have you on to talk about the Rip and Replace program and uh, all the issues and challenges that rural wireless operators have been dealing with as they try to adhere to these uh, requirements. Before we get into the kind of here and now and what's been happening in the last little bit, maybe you can just kind of sort of level set, I guess, a little bit and just provide, you know, a very brief high level background as to what is the rip and replace program and why do we have it and who's kind of impacted it. Back in the like two thousand, oh, I want to say two thousand ten time period, the FCC had a mobility fund phase one auction, where they were uh, auctioning off about three hundred million dollars to build out three G and four G in rural areas, and it was the lowest price bidder got the money, and so a lot of companies at that point um, bid low, and they had been approached by both Huawei and ZTE, two companies that are based out of China and are heavily subsidized by the Chinese government um, to to sell their equipment globally. And so a lot of the carriers, the small rural carriers, bought that equipment and installed it in their networks with the FCC's blessing and nobody telling them that there were any issues with this. And then lo and behold, it came out that there were some security issues with using Huawei and ZTE equipment. In 2012, I think it was first identified by Congress as an issue when Sprint tried to deploy it in their Clearwire network. They were told not to do that. Then fast forward uh, around 2018, the FCC issued a rulemaking to investigate this and try to do something about it. Congress eventually passed the Secured Networks Act. And along with that came uh, $1.9 billion to rip and replace all of the Huawei and ZT equipment, not only the wireless networks, but it turns out that Huawei has a fiber optics equipment that lights up the fiber and that has to be ripped out as well. So any company that had ZTE or Huawei equipment, that got placed on a covered list and they were covered companies that you cannot use that equipment anymore and it had to be replaced. And the program developed 
called the Reimbursement Program through the Secured Networks Act that Congress put into place, and the FCC started administering that. Um, so in January of last year, or two years ago, companies had to put, I think it's going with two years now, I'm losing track of time, had to put in their costs. Um, the FCC last July told each company how much they were going to get. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough funding to distribute it to everyone. The FCC had a shortfall of roughly 60%. They could only fund the program being by 40, about 40%. That's caused a lot of problems with the plans of how the companies have had to rejigger what they're going to do and the priority that they're going to do it in. They're still waiting for more funding for the shortfall, which is roughly about $3.5 billion or so. So Congress keeps working on trying to allocate more money. But as you see, we almost had a government shutdown and there's no sliver of hope from what we're seeing right now in the current budget to take care of this problem, even though there's been several um, folks who have put legislation through to try to solve the problem with the funding. So it's not just the fact that Congress has yet to appropriate sufficient funds to cover all the costs associated with ripping and replacing non-compliant equipment. The reimbursement process that has been set up is another issue operators need to deal with. Let's see what Kerry has to say about that. The companies, as of July of this past year, they had to submit their first invoice because that was a requirement under the Secure Networks Act, and those invoices have to start getting processed. So once you submit your first invoice and you receive your first payment on an invoice, that triggers the one-year timeline for completing your project. And with these wireless networks, these are not things that can easily be done within a short time frame. So the folks who are participating in the program strategically didn't put that invoice in until the absolute last day to buy themselves time the FCC has received several extension requests. They've granted one to a company called Stealth Communications, who has, has fiber in New York City. There are several more pending, um, and we're waiting for the FCC to work on, on granting those. As part of our advocacy work that we do through the Rural Wireless Association, we've asked the FCC to really monitor what's going on with the processing of the invoices and EY has been, until most recently, really understaffed. I think they were overwhelmed by the number of invoices that they were getting, nothing that, that along the lines of what they anticipated. So there's been huge delays associated with processing invoices, getting money to into the hands of people so that they can finish the project. There is a letter-perfect standard that the bean counters at EY are using to ensure that there's not waste, fraud, and abuse in the program, but it's almost like they've over-rotated on that to the point that the delays associated with processing the invoices are causing all kinds of problems to the carriers who are trying to complete the work. A lot of these carriers did not have money lying around to do this and then seek reimbursement for doing it. They're very dependent on the money and the cash coming back to them once they've submitted the invoices. But we're seeing invoice processing taking over, you know, in some instances, 150 to 300 days. It's also causing a ton of delay for what is supposed to be a hugely national security issue. We saw when the Chinese balloons were floating over the country and we were trying to figure out what they're doing. Uniquely, if you look at that path, it follows where a lot of this equipment is, or a lot of it, particularly the Huawei equipment. You know, was that trying to pick up on 
data that they're trying to collect. Some of these networks are close to military bases. So we've got to have more attention paid to the program, a faster way to process the invoices, and the FCC has to be more diligent and maybe a little bit more lenient in trying to get the project done with the fund administrator. It's our understanding that one of the consultants that we work with said at the rate that we're going, it is going to take 17 years before this problem is solved if they don't put more attention on it. And not even more attention in in the sense of the fund administrator staffing up and working through these issues, but we need the funding, the rest of the funding to come through. And that can only be done by Congress. Now, let me tell you about, I, I know you haven't asked me this question, but a huge wrinkle that we just heard about is this, this program can only fund 3G and 4G replacement of networks. Well, 3G is off the table. Nobody's going to put in a 3G network. So we're really talking about it's to do 4G. Guess where we are? We're at 5G. Guess who's not making just 4G equipment anymore? We, there's not going to be equipment down the road to do 4G. So Congress is going to have to look at adjusting what equipment is eligible. And to the extent that they can just change the law to say, yes, you can use your funding. You don't get any more new funding than what you already asked for, except for what we can try to allocate, you know, because we have that $3.5 billion shortfall. But you'll, we think it's wise to let you spend it on 5G because that's where we are, folks. We're at 5G. We're not at 4G anymore. And right now, we've just heard from one of the members of RWA that if I don't purchase this 4G equipment now in in the next six months, I can't get it. It's not going to be available. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, lots to to talk about there. So in the meantime, you've got these shrinking wireless networks, I would imagine, in rural America, right? You've got, uh, in some cases, these are the only networks or the only source of communication folks have. And these networks are shrinking because as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you got in some instances where the rip has happened for whatever reason, maybe they weren't getting support anymore because Huawei is no longer supporting it, but the replace hasn't happened for a lot of the reasons you've talked about. So to me, that means you've got shrinking wireless networks, shrinking coverage in rural America. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement because when you only have so many dollars, you can only replace so much equipment. So that is exactly true. They're hoping that they'll get more money so they can put back up the network equipment that they had to take down that they haven't been able to replace. So some of those cell sites that are further out in rural and remote areas are just gone. And that means nobody can make a 911 call. Nobody's going to be able to, like, if you need help, nobody's going to be able to come to your rescue. And it's not just the people who are served by that particular network. You have to remember other carriers' customers are roaming on these networks. So Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile customers aren't going to be able to access networks that don't exist. That's a very good point because I think in some instances, when you look at the revenue profile of some of these rural wireless operators, sometimes more than 50% of the revenue is coming from roaming. Is that true? So to your point, it's not just the rural customers who are getting impacted here. That is true. And and to the extent that large carriers customers aren't able to roam on them, they will lose roaming revenue, which complicates the problem or compounds it because now they don't have they don't have the rip and replace funding. Yeah, and costs keep going up. So I can only imagine how difficult of an environment this is for these folks. You've got labor costs going up, equipment costs going up, and you got all these delays and uncertainties around funding. That just seems like an untenable situation for these folks. Yeah. I used to say they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, but now it's a rock and a hard place with a sledgehammer coming down on you. 
Yeah. And on the, on the financing side, it's like interest rates have gone up a lot. So your financing costs have gone up significantly since this whole thing started when money was free and, you know, even getting access to money is getting harder with credit tightening from banks and so forth. And not to mention the time they should be spending on the work to get the new networks deployed and the old networks ripped out. They're spending going back and forth with the fund administrator, nitpicking on invoices. What I struggle with, Carrie, is, I mean, if you look at the bipartisan support to bridge the digital divide uh, through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, it looked like it was, you know, pretty, pretty solid, right? $42.5 billion to bridge the digital divide. So there seems to be bipartisan acknowledgement and support that coverage in rural America is a top priority, certainly on the, you know, broadband to the home um, you know, side of things, but, but, but wireless is certainly should be included in that as well. So, I mean, I guess, wh- why do you think this is just taking, I mean, I, I, maybe it's just the bigger issues in Congress. I, I think anytime you're asking for more money to be spent on something, you have, you know, the hawks in Congress, like watching every penny. And we saw that with the avoidance of the government shutdown, we have certain members of Congress who just don't want to spend any more money and they don't understand this. It's odd because the Secure Networks Act passed bicameral, bipartisan support to pass something like it and say how important it is and then not fully fund it. That's untenable. And I think this program is being held hostage to other things that are going on in Congress related to funding. We had a bipartisan bill introduced by Senator Deb Fisher and Senator Hickenlooper to fully fund this. It tried to get attached to the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is a good piece of legislation to get things through. It makes sense that it would be attached to that. But some of the other members of Congress want to see the funding come through the Spectrum Reauthorization Bill. And they have issues that they have tied to the Spectrum Reauthorization Bill that are not quite as bipartisan. So trying to attach it to that is a bit unfortunate. And then we have this bigger overall possibility of having it included in the overall fiscal year 2024 budget, but you can see all the political issues with that. Now, I will say Congress came together on Saturday and they got that done for 45 days. So they kicked the can out down the road. The next 45 days could be really instrumental to this program. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you Jeff, and and get it out there that this is something that Congress really needs to pay attention to. For this to be a national security issue, the way the Secure Networks Act bill was passed and and put into play, it needs to be prioritized. The funding needs to be prioritized. And the work that the government is doing to implement the program needs to be speeded up. Well, I think what really hit home here with me, Carrie, is when you talked about the path that that Chinese balloon took and then how it sort of mapped out to where existing Chinese terrestrial networks are. I mean, that's pretty scary in and of itself. And I would think that would be a huge wake-up call to Congress and to others to recognize the, the sheer gravity of this security risk that we're dealing with here. And those networks have not been shut down yet because you can't shut these networks down until you build the new networks and you migrate the customer base over. So it's, it's a huge problem. I'm just curious, Carrie, where do you think this ranks in terms of a priority? I mean, I saw the House Energy and Commerce Committee had sent a letter uh, just identifying this as a huge security risk and it needs to get addressed. But here we go. We've been at this for a long time now and I feel like we're just spinning our wheels. I mean, 
is this do you think this is a top priority for Congress? Do they recognize kind of what we're dealing with here? I don't know that they fully recognize it because I think if they fully recognize it, they would have done something about it. So it's kind of a, a question that I don't even know how to respond to because they've all said it was a priority. They put the Secure Networks Act together. It got passed. They partially funded it. Nobody knew we were going to get through a pandemic and that prices were going to rise and everything was going to kind of spin out of control. They have the power to fix it. They just need to pull together and do it. I know it sounds like a lot of money when we're talking about the NDAA. This is you know, small potatoes, you know, when it comes to the funding for Department of Defense projects, military, all of that. So it seems to me that it should be a no-brainer, and I just don't understand why it's not. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I an answer. I wish I could say you. Yeah, there's one person, and it's all that person's fault. But it's it takes a village to pass legislation, so including the appropriations. I mean, $3.5 billion, sure, it's a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, to address a national security risk, it's peanuts, right? I mean, it really is. Exactly. Well, listen, we've covered a lot here, Carrie. This has been great. Uh, before we wrap it up, I just want to give you a chance to you know, whether emphasize anything that we talked about or you know, if there's questions I didn't ask or areas you want to just touch on as we wrap it up, uh, you know, the stage is yours. I appreciate the platform. I think I spoke my mind, um, so I don't have anything really further to add except get it done and get it done. You know, don't wait any longer. Get it done by the end of the year. If nothing else, put the funding into the budget and let us get our work done and let's light a fire under the FCC and EY to get these things processed because it's not the carriers that are holding it up. It's It's the system and the process. Yeah, yeah, no, amen. What well said. And I, you know, the carriers that I've spoken to, I mean, they're all patriots. They want to do the right thing. They want to make sure that they're doing their part to address any national security concerns. So I know they're ready and willing and able and, and want to do the right thing to, to make sure their networks are safe and secure. And I know they're very frustrated because they can't do their part because of what's happening in Washington. So yeah, things need to get moving here. Thank you for the opportunity, Jeff. All right. Thanks for being on, Carrie. Appreciate it. Great seeing you. A special thanks goes out to Carrie for taking time out of her day to share some great insight. Carrie made a compelling argument for why Congress needs to move quickly on ensuring they address the $3.5 billion funding shortfall in the Secure Networks Act. I mean, the way I see it is we have a huge national security risk that was in plain sight when the Chinese surveillance balloon followed a path of U.S. networks running non-compliant Chinese-made equipment. We also have a massive safety issue in rural America with these shrinking wireless networks and people not being able to make 911 calls. Then we have these poor rural operators who are bearing the brunt of this operationally and financially to no fault of their own. Hopefully Congress hears these issues, appreciates the severity of them, and does the right thing by addressing the funding shortfall ASAP. Hey, thanks for joining us today and watch out for the next episode of the All Day Digital Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is not intended to be investment, tax, or legal advice and should not be relied upon by listeners for such purposes. 
The information contained in this podcast has been compiled from what CoBank regards as reliable sources. However, CoBank does not make any representation or warranty regarding the content and disclaims any responsibility for the information materials, third-party opinions, and data included in this podcast. In no event will CoBank be liable for any decision made or actions taken by any person or persons relying on the information contained in this podcast.